Oh hey, didn't see you there. Welcome to Secondary Fermentation, episode number 37. Feels like it's been a while since we've been here, guys. Yeah. Like two weeks? <laughs> yes, it feels like that. As usual, this is Joe, and I'm joined by... Lauren. And... Nick. Alright. But episode 37, we're getting pretty close to 50 here. Or even Are you rounding like me? <laughs> like, what the... <laughs> 40 is not really a milestone. It's 37 like, going on 50. <sighs> yeah, exactly. Mm. It's all downhill from here. All downhill. Oh, that As is... in the quality of the content. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's going to get way worse. <laughs> and speaking of things getting worse. Oh. Stone Brewing. <laughs> Lauren's favorite brewery is in headlines again. Hopefully for the last time. Good. Actually, no, there's probably going to be some more stuff. Uh with the merger and, and things, I'm sure. But hopefully this is the last time the lawsuit is mentioned. But would we just hear they got denied some more money? Yep. Their attempts to just swindle more money out of Molson Coors. Poor, innocent Molson Coors. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't ever knew nothing was coming to them. <laughs> and they got attacked. Yeah. Attacked. Leave those small independent breweries alone, Stone. Yes. That never sell out. <laughs> yeah, yeah most of course has never sold out. Shaking her head, looking very disappointed. They had it coming. They had it coming. They only had themselves to blame. Okay, that's I it. don't know that song. I don't either. Oh, really? Yeah. Chicago? Oh. Is it from the musical he Chicago? I'm not from Chicago. He had it coming. Yeah, the musical. With Richard Gere and uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones. Um, if you'd have been yeah, I don't think I've seen Chicago actually. I'm on oh my cultured gosh. Well, I don't mm. think you would like it. It's a lot of singing. Yeah, it's a lot of singing. I hate singing. Well, you typically don't Just enjoy kidding. those, but. Well, I don't like musicals. There's a difference between singing and musicals. <laughs> yeah, typically. There's a lot of singing in musicals. <laughs> I went and saw Hamilton with you. Mm hmm. That's more rapping, though. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> wow, riffing. Did you learn a lot? Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I did. <laughs> in Hamilton? Yeah. I did. Yeah. A lot more history. History. And then you realize that, oh, wow, some of that actually didn't really happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. I was like, hmm, history <laughs> in musical form, it must be the most true of history. But it made you go back and fact check. Yeah. I mean, hey, Schoolhouse Rock was basically oh, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. musical knowledge for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drunk history. You Drunk history is true, true facts. For adults. <laughs> Everything happened just like that. Oh, You've got to find a way to get through your to your audience. You yeah. can relay the subject matter in a way that is relatable. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we got way off track. A little bit. Uh, yeah. Stone. So, judge says, all right, you guys win. Here's $56 million. You know, take it, take it. And they're like, no. That's not good enough. We had to pay lawyers. We had to, we had some damages. They're so damaged, they better call Phil Swift with Flex Seal to come fix them up. And uh, what else? They said lost profits. Yeah. Quoted $174 million in lost profits, which is that's an absurd figure. A very, yeah, and also a very accurate. Where they get that number for? <laughs> just guessing. <laughs> I know, because it has to have been over a span of time, however long Stone was using, or Chorus was using the Stone uh, branding on their cans, which I don't know how long it was before the lawsuit started and they were yeah. asked to 
cease and desist. The whole thing is still crazy to me because it's not like anyone was like, oh, you asked for some stones. <laughs> I got you Keystone instead of Stone IPA. Like My you know, fault. Oh, darn. I don't know why. This just tastes like everything else. Unless it's attempt, unless they're looking at it from the the angle of big beer devaluing other beer, but still, I still think that's a stretch of an argument. But yeah, the judge denied yeah. an additional one hundred and sixty-eight million, so they're just stuck with fifty-six mil. Tough. Do you remember what their original amount was that they went for? I can't remember offhand. They like uh, or something like that. They asked for. I think they asked for one hundred seventy-four million dollars. Well, that was no, like actually that the was their uh, one hundred seventy-four was the claim for their loss and sales, and I'm guessing that's what they were chasing was that that figure, and then the judge only ruled in favor of the fifty-six million dollar settlement fee. Yeah. So a cool fifty-six million. Yeah, I mean, still a lot of money. Stone, aka now. I Sapporo. mean, yeah. I could do a lot with that. Yeah, Stone, if you want to just donate it instead of to your new corporate sponsor, we'll take it over here. I mean, even just $1 million, 156 of that would be great. I don't know. But is all this talk of uh, lawsuits making you guys thirsty? <laughs> I always get thirsty when <laughs> speaking of legal matters. <laughs> yes. Well, we've got a very special bottle today. Nick, tell us what we got. Very special indeed. This is a treat picked up from Jarvis Street Bottle Shop. None other than Jarvis Street Bottle Shop. Yep. Just was there and chatting with our buddy Lars. Uh, I actually was picking up a few things in anticipation of the weekend and, you know, wanted to get some, some beers for the podcast. And Lars, of course, always has some good recommendations. He actually, on my way out, said, oh, I've got this beer from Allagash here. We talked about it. I said, this sounds pretty good. And it kind of fits with, you know, today's topic, which is forthcoming. And he said, well, here, let me go, uh, let me go grab that for you. And, uh, he said, give this a try. So personally handpicked curated by Lars. I know it's going to be good. And I'm very intrigued. This is cool ship resurgum from Allagash brewing mm. company. They're based in Maine. And, uh, this is a spontaneously fermented ale. It's aged in oak barrels. The interesting thing about this beer, besides being spontaneously fermented, is that it's a blend. It's an annual release, but they do a blend of about 50% of a three-year-old beer, mm-hmm. 25% of a two-year-old beer, and 25% of a one-year-old beer. Interesting. So you get this nice blend of different ages of this cool shit beer, uh, which is just its intriguing to me. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm very curious about the flavor and about the appearance and everything because it just has years of craftsmanship in the in the bottle so <laughs> and I'm, I'm interested to try too because allagash i mean known mainly for their flagship white allagash white huge staple and uh as i'm popping this because it's not a crack of beer it's a popping of a beer Woo! that was a pop dang eardrums are blown yep i can no longer hear and i am bleeding well Fun but fact. tonight is for the group. Did you know what resurgum means? I don't. It means I shall rise again. Wow. Rise up. Rise up. And that's probably the blending mm-hmm. thing and all that. So that's kind of neat. Well, let's yeah. get it poured up and see where we go. Ooh, what a delightful pour. 
Yeah, it's got a nice little golden rod, kind of a butterscotch color almost. Ooh, it smells delightful. A little bit of haze. Wow, deep sniff. That's a deep sniff. Smells wild. So if you didn't guess, our topic today is going to be wild ales and spontaneous fermentations. And we got the perfect example from Jarvis Street Bottle Shop. Yeah. Seriously, thanks, Lars, if you're listening. That was super cool of you to recommend this one and pick it out for us from your collection. Um, Really excited to try this one just because of the niche that is spontaneous fermentation, that kind of wild style of beer. You're getting some some flavors that you might not get from your traditional yeast. Yeah, it's like a deep golden color. It's got a mm. nice uh, bubbly head that's pretty persistent too, I'd say. Yeah, I was actually surprised. I kind of wondered just based on the way this is brewed, which we'll go into more detail with that. I uh, just wondered how I would do with carbonation, appearance. It looks like maybe some filtration involved because I don't see too much in terms well, of it's pretty particulate metal. Just some, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's not like yeast. I don't think it was bottle conditioned, but it's right. well. It ha- it was to some degree. Mm-hmm. Did we get every last drop out of the bottom? We did, and there is a little bit on the bottom, but I don't think there's really any yeah. particular matter not there. A t- not a ton of yeasty chunks, but it's a hazy yeah. beer, pretty opaque. And maybe not too surprising, I guess, when I think about it. But something that was really cool about this beer in particular that I read: Allagash was actually the first U.S. brewery that tried the cool ship method Ooh. of getting spontaneous fermentation in a beer. So they rode on a boat and they were the like, The cruise ship? Cruise ship. The cruise ship method? Cool ship. Oh, what's that? It's a really radical boat. Yeah. Oh. oh dude, so you, you have to have a cool card to ride the ship. <laughs> yes, basically. Oh, darn. No, it is a... Do you really not know what it is? Or are you just messing with us? I mean, I'm serious. I didn't know. That's why I, asked, that's why I asked the question. Oh, I don't know if you're just joshing. <laughs> I'm not joshing. What do you think it is? Uh, Something to do with cold temperatures in a ship. <laughs> <laughs> you're actually sort on of, the right track. Sort of, yes. It's basically a large, wide, and shallow vessel that the wort is poured into and it cools down in there but it's also exposed to the air so it makes a large surface area so the nice lovely bacteria that are just floating through the air huh. land into it and hopefully it's not near a bathroom yeah <laughs> yeah you don't want that kind of bacteria <laughs> cool shit <laughs> <laughs> cool shit <laughs> oh this beer tastes like E. coli <laughs> yeah. mm, delicious yeah it's weird when you hear about you know spontaneous fermentation or like wild ales and the use of the word infection is prevalent and yeah. you're like oh no that's wrong but really when you're talking about bacteria it's intentionally yeah infected. so and there's a method to it yeah i mean it's interesting because particularly with allagash and this cool ship resurgum you know they do the three-year blend where it's a mix of a one-year-old two-year-old and three-year-old blend they're doing this every year they're, they're trying to get a a somewhat consistent product, but of course it's going to be a little bit of nuance year to year because of the spontaneity of it. Uh, it's in the namesake, but you know, where it's actually being where the inoculation occurs. I mean, it's, it's a pretty controlled room that they use where they have this, uh, you know, the cool ship set up for, for the beer to cool down in the, the fall and winter months and kind of get all those bacteria naturally produce yeast in the air to, 
to inoculate the beer. So, I mean, you're going to get sort of a different output every year, but in some ways it's about as close as you can get to consistent with Mm -hmm. the spontaneous fermentation. Yeah. And spontaneous fermentation is really like one of the examples of terroir in beer, you know, the uh, concept popular in wine that Mm -hmm. the area which it's made is very important, which usually for beer, not a big deal because it's a very clean process and very much, you know, the, the barley's all malted kind of the same degree and you have similar yeast strains, hop strains and things like that. So you can get a consistent product really no matter where you are. But since this, you're not actually dosing the yeast or the bacteria or whatever's in it, you're, you're relying on what's out there. So, I mean, popular examples, Cantillon, uh, Trey Fontenen, you know, some big places where terroir matters for their spontaneous ales. But yeah, this one's, uh, it's quite good. Yeah. It's like my first sip actually. And it's definitely some tartness to it, which, you know, you think about wild ale, if you're familiar or somewhat familiar with that name or that term of a, the wild ale is a beer style. You kind of think of, you might think of, you know, a farmhouse ale or something kind of sour and tart, funky, that is kind of has become synonymous, but you know, not not a not a one for one comparison between a sour ale and a wild ale by that definition. It's just pretty pretty prevalent, I, yeah. I suppose. And not to confuse either. Also, it gets very confusing because a wild ale per BJCP is just an an ale that's fermented with something that's not Saccharomyces. So regular brewer's yeast is Saccharomyces, but a wild ale is something that's got you know, either mixed fermentation or it's fermented the brett only or something like that. But it doesn't mean that it's spontaneously done because uh, those wild yeast strains can be added, you know, by the brewer in very specific doses and very controlled processes. So spontaneous fermented ale does not equal wild ale per se, or like American wild ale, if you were to say, and that does not equal sour ale. Mm-hmm. They're all different things because you can have a sour beer without having wild yeast strains. You right. can do a bunch of different things like that. So very interesting. So really it, the, it comes down to, it seems the omission of the, the brewer's yeast really to kind of get into this area of wild fermentation or the mm-hmm. wild ale. Yeah. And I mean, some of the common examples of uh, bacteria or yeast strains that will be used uh, to do that are Britannomyces, Pediococcus, uh, Lactobacillus. Some some guys are very, those are very common ones, which you got to be careful because they can get pretty nasty and they can infect other beers in your brew house. So, yeah. So would you say that would a wild yeast be a little less controllable as far as how it reacts to your your wort when it's introduced? compared to like a brewer's yeast or is it kind of a a similar fermentation process i mean i think it depends on how experienced you know the brewer is with it or how you know cultivated that strain is because at first Britannomyces was like considered an infection and it was like written off as like this is terrible you don't want this here Mm -hmm. i mean it makes sense because if you have a Britannomyces infection in your beer and you get notes like horse blanket or like musty sour notes like that doesn't sound great i was reading something that said uh britannomyces 
by the Carlsberg Brewery. They found it, and it means fungus from Britain is what Britannomyces <laughs> means. <laughs> Who would have and, thought? Yeah, and they, they had, like, an infection going crazy in their brew house, and they were uh, not too thrilled. But, yeah, a lot of mixed fermentation programs exist out there. The brewers, you know, have a good handle on it, I think, and they just got to be careful not to co-infect. I think that's one big risk is that you have a, you know, if you don't have really good cleaning procedures, you can co-infect your beers. That's true. And yeah, you see that a lot with breweries or tap rooms that you you can, you can taste that in the beer. It's like there, there's some staining here in this tap line. Maybe there was a beer that, uh, you know, they didn't properly clean the, the tap line after switching out a keg or something like that. And you get that imparted on there and, and that's when it's when it's not intentional then it can be really bad or really off-putting but with, when done right like you said you know kind of the intentionality of the brewer you know using some wild yeast or you know something outside of the typical brewer's yeast it's all done purposeful it's not i think wild ale to me i think of like a wild yeast strain it's like unpredictable and it's you don't know what you're going to get but with with all things brewing it's really a calculated measure to create a product that you know, the, out, the outcome should be pretty intentional by the brewer. So a careful eye really goes a long way in that regard. But yeah, kind of going back to the uh, sour ales. So we've seen, there's a ton of sours out there, right? You know, yep. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. <laughs> Name some sour beers. Go. Um, That's the way life goes up. <laughs> um that hazy little things there's a it's a hazy IPA. sour little thing <laughs> but there's a sour Funky one little thing or something like that i don't know yeah sycamore has a lot i'm just of messing with you it's so hard when somebody's like what's a good example of this beer and you're like oh my gosh I've name any sour of them yeah <laughs> it's like oh boy we got Actually, some down in the fridge we have uh you know we have an edmund's oast one down there oh, i have tons of those mm-hmm yeah, I just had a few sours when I was back home. I was like, actually, most of what I drank, my sister went to a local shop in Iowa, picked up a few Iowa selections, so had some nice fruited sours, Berliner Weiss in there. Berliner um, Weiss. You know, you get your kettle <laughs> sours. It's just a lot of a lot of that out there now. I think sours have become pretty popular as far as a... Mm-hmm. I mean, most everybody that drinks beer knows what a sour is, and, you know, there's a lot of yeast... That goes into the sour that really creates that that tartness. Yeah, and I mean, wild ale, like we said before, does not equal sour ale. And that's because you can make a sour beer from a variety of different ways, you know. I think back to one of the early homebrews I did was like, uh, geez, a blackberry goza. Mm -hmm. And that just came with, like the kit that I got came with a little bottle of lactic acid just to dump in there at the end so it's like you remember like tasting that just like yeah it was just straight up just yeah gross but yeah you're basically acidifying the beer somehow and either if you do that through fermentation techniques or you do it through mashing techniques or you use acidulated malt or if you even just use like what what we did there was just some food grade lactic acid to get things sour it's uh you know you can do that but wild ale really a lot of those wild yeast strains do produce some sort of funky note like this one's tart and crisp but it's not like super sour i wouldn't say no it just has like a a bit of like an, uh, a tart astringency where it's a little bit drying it's less acidic though you can tell the difference between like a really acidic sour ale and something that's kind of naturally just tart mm-hmm. that's why i i it's hard to 
think in your head, like, how do I differentiate between sour and tart? Uh, but I think this, by drinking it, by experiencing it, you kind of get that distinction in your head. Like, sour to me is like, you know, my nose kind of perks up and I, I can feel it just like burning that acidity on my tongue. Tart is more of just like a... It's a little tongue tickle. Yeah, it's it's like a, <laughs> almost almost on the know, on the side of like bitterness, but not really. It's just, it's to me, it's closer to bitterness than being... Like it's gonna, you know, wreck your your tongue with acidity. Yeah, and then that really, I mean, so you add in these other yeast strains, you're not just getting sourness. You're doing them a lot of times for the flavor as well that they impart. You know, they usually bring a lot of funky notes and you know different unique things to the beer. So you're not just dosing in a bunch of acid just to make it sour. So it's a little bit more of a artful thing than that. But when you talk about spontaneous beers, I mean, I think the whole idea of a cool ship is is really cool. And it's like the cool ship's cool. The cool ship's cool. It's pretty sweet. But it's like the romanticized version of people that they have for making beer because it's just like, all right, now it's time to let nature do the work versus we brewed this wort. Now let's sanitize everything, kill everything, put it in a stainless steel tank and hermetically seal it so it won't have anything but what we put in there. Hmm. Yeah. And... It's funny because it goes back to really traditional historical brewing techniques with, you know, Belgian brewing styles. And to bring it to the U.S. was pretty novel at the time when Allagash did this, I understand. So I'm curious to see how many other craft breweries in the U.S. are trying their hand at cool ships. But, you know, even with Allagash having a spontaneous fermentation, like I kind of mentioned earlier, it seems from what I've seen uh, put out, some, some videos put out by them that they talk about, you know, being very selective with the microflora that they want to have sort of infect the beer, I guess, and inoculate and ferment. So, you know, it's not just, let's just pick any old spot in the world or any old room and just let it get infected because you might get a yeast or bacteria strain that's really off-putting. So you've got to be really aware of of the environment and the microflora that you're letting into the beer. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's not a term that we've used enough in this episode is the microflora microflora or the microfauna Microf- <laughs> tiny little <laughs> tiny little animal tiny just get in i prefer beer. macroflora but no it's just weird to think that you have you know there's bacteria everywhere it's all the time and it's just getting in your beer and do we have good tasting bacterial by- byproducts i don't know this beer is good tasting bacterial byproducts <laughs> this, deli- oh, yes. this bacteria is delicious this is delicious yeah, and I'm curious too because, especially with this blend, I mean, you're getting something that's a you know only a year old after they they age it in some oak barrels. Then you've got your three year old. I believe after the first year, the aging is just done in it's just like cellared. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, what what those taste like side by side. I think a vertical flight of the one to two to three year. Uh, cool ships would be really interesting to see the the different distinctions that each one has after an additional year of aging and letting those you know bacteria sort of extrapolate and and make oh yeah you know physical and uh flavor uh, changes to the beer well yeah and a lot of the a lot of those yeast strains or the wild strains, you know, take a lot longer to ferment than Saccharomyces too. So you definitely have to take longer when you're brewing and you have to, you know, it'll evolve over time. So I'm curious 
you know, as there's a little residual activity in the bottle, how's it taste year to year? What's the difference in variance and mm-hmm. what's it taste like fresh? Well, relatively fresh as it takes a few months to <laughs> ferment, right. but <laughs> still you get that all out. But it's just very interesting. The nuances, like when we started researching this topic, I didn't really appreciate the difference between a wild ale, a sour ale, and then a spontaneously fermented beer. Very interesting. And then you get into things like mixed mixed fermentation, Ooh, yeah. which is, you know, you got multiple things going on. So what is actually happening right now? <laughs> what is going on? And a spontaneous fermentation, you probably say, is a, is a mixed fermentation. But then you can also, you know, kind of make the mixed fermentation. You know, you pitch some Saccharomyces in. You pitch some Pediococcus just a little bit. You want to get a little bit of that weird flavor in there. I mean, you can do that, but it's just uh, another way that instead of manipulating your malt bill and your hop, you know, your hops that you're using, tweak your yeast and see that. And I think that's something we've seen get a lot more common in even the traditional ale segment is that these companies are coming out with all sorts of new yeast strains to manipulate the flavor. Oh yeah. I mean, it's nice to have that sort of in juxtaposition to all these different hop varieties we have now and how hops have been used to flavor and add aroma to beer and really the yeast is i would say just as likely to to impart new flavors by adjusting it by you know doing some of these mixed fermentations having things react differently to each other so i think that's more fun and actually it's, it seems to me like a bigger risk by the brewer to have oh yeast yeah. be the the contributing factor for most of the flavor because the least controllable portion yeah because right? you can't i mean you can you know exactly you put x number of pounds of malt in and you pitched a certain rate of yeast, but you can't really tell how's it going to react, you know, especially if you're doing the spontaneous stuff. Like, you have no idea what it's going to be like until you're watching it ferment or you're tasting it as it's going, things like that. So, oh, yeah, you're not in control at that point. <laughs> you know, just like most cool ships, this one from this Resurgum from Allagash, you know, you're doing the, the cooling process is just done overnight, from what I understand. They, you know, boil the wort and then they pour that immediately into the vessel, the the big tank that's shallow. And then that room just fills, you know, they have a fan pumping in air from outside. So you get the overnight cooling, it rapidly cools. You get all those microflora into the beer and then they, you know, store it in the oak barrels and it ferments away. And it's, you know, fascinating that you're, that's a big leap to take, I think, to, to not know what your end product's going to be, especially with something that's, wild as a the, you know the bacteria that's in the air yeah so again yeah. you have to be really really just in touch with your surrounding and what kind of living breathing cultures are in the air that you're breathing <laughs> yeah and it's inter- if you want to get like a visual representation uh Allagash has a nice picture of their cool ship room uh oh, yeah. a nice little visual of the beer pouring in there and they've just got little cracked windows basically just mm-hmm. Just that, and then a little electric fan blowing things, moving it around. But really, it's just the windows are cracked, the beer's in there, it's going. Yeah, and there's a cool video on YouTube I watched where they they talk about the process and, and sort of a brief detail, but it's just really interesting to see their history with this. This has been around for several years, but this actually was from November 2021 of this package. So. Oh, nice. You know, it'd be nice to, this might be nice to have one that you uh, hold on to for a couple of years and just see how it continues to evolve in the bottle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But 
Yeah, just a little insight into the difference, you know, wild ales, uh, sour ales, spontaneously fermented. Uh, check out the BJCP if you want a little bit more technical details. There's a whole bunch of subcategories, like there's American wild ales, there's European wild ales, and they have a whole separate category for sour ales. So a lot to, to look at there. And then they have specialty mixed fermentation beers, all sorts of different things if you want to get into the nitty-gritty difference between each style. But hopefully that give you a little insight so that the next time you see a beer that's labeled as a wild ale, you'll you'll have a little, you know, be able to distinguish it a little bit and maybe you'll be a little more intentionable, intentionable, <laughs> maybe a little bit more intentional uh, about your tasting process and see if you can focus more on the yeast character or the lack of yeast, uh, the character that is provided by there, not just the sourness that's in there. Mm-hmm. And the same thing goes if you have a spontaneous fermented beer. If you can get one of those, get your hands on one of those, definitely give it a try. It's a unique experience. Uh, and it gives you a little bit more depth than just your traditional uh, smoothie, lactose, uh, blueberry, marshmallow, <laughs> toasted caramel, coconut stout. Sour, I meant to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> toasted coconut just naturally Toast, went with yeah. stout. <laughs> I feel like marshmallow and coconut are in everything now. Mm-hmm. Next time you try your sour slushy, <laughs> think about that a little bit. Yeah. No, you know, not no discredit to any brewers making these oh, no. adjunct filled sours, but you know, I think it takes a lot of courage to go for a spontaneous fermented beer because, you know, like we said, you really aren't going to be positive until it's done fermenting what the end product is. You can replicate the steps after you've had success, maybe. But so again, that's just kind of another nod to try a spontaneous fermented beer because that was a really artisanally crafted beer i might say <laughs> the craftiest of craft beers it's a crafty craft beer yes crafted by nature no yeah not to slight any sours i do enjoy a nice sour oh, once yeah. in a while it's just fun to make from fun of all the meme culture of exploding <laughs> cans of all these fruited sours that people bring must refrigerate or you will be wearing it yeah chunky too yeah speaking of cans what you got over there lauren an lc's beer pick of the week Where's your enthusiasm? I can't hear you. I have an Elsie's beer pick of the week. Oh, no, I meant like your air horn sound effect. Well, <laughs> oh, you sound awfully deflated <laughs> this week. It's time for Elsie's pick of the week. 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 That's better. Let me crack my beer. Elsie, crack that beer. Crack that <laughs> on the floor. Crack that. Give you some more. Crack that. Wow. Get to porn. Oh, wait. We got to close our eyes. We didn't assume the position. Oh, my gosh. Assume your position. You didn't tell us. Eyes closed. Position assumed. You know, you should never assume a position because that makes <laughs> an ass out of you and me. I don't know why she made us go into a dark room for three hours before this. Blindfolded. Yeah. <laughs> We're sensor. Sen- we're sensory, deprived. Sensory, sensory overloaded. Yeah. She's playing Party in the USA loudly for three hours straight. Yeah, thank you. I was struggling with words there. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting from what we just came from. Hmm. Uh, are you getting cheesy notes, Nick? Cheese. I would say like stinky cheese. <laughs> yeah, it's like blueberry goat cheese. What? Now I'm going to sniff this. <laughs> it's okay. very interesting. From first smell to 
subsequent smells, it's changed a little bit. My first smell was like the first stinky, one was funky very, cheese. Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. But now I'm getting some other notes. Kind of, I could get some blueberry. I can definitely pick that up after you. Maybe it's the power There's a of peach suggestion. Oh gosh, I don't even know. It's just sweet fruit. It does smell a little bit like some kind of fruit cocktail almost. Mm-hmm. Like at first with the cheesy, it smelled like blueberry, but now it's like evolving a little bit. But it's kind of lost. Like the cheesy was very volatile and it's kind of gone now. Isn't that weird? Gave it a taste. This one is tart as well. A little more tart than the last one we just had. But actual fruity notes instead of just tartness, I guess. Almost more like a fruited sour. Yeah. And it's incredible, the contrast between these two beers. Like, the finish is so different on this beer. It's almost like a biting finish. It, like, goes out with a bang. I'm still, okay, now I'm getting more cheese again. I'm getting strawberry now. Yes. It's evolved from blueberry to strawberry. Mm -hmm. What's happening? I feel like from the first sniff to now, my third sip, I don't know what I'm drinking anymore. Where am I? I'm scared. All right, I'm taking a look at it. It looks yeah. about the same color as the last beer, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I'm not it's terribly like surprised by the, the color. It's a bit clearer, though. Yeah. I may have guessed it to be a touch lighter. This is kind of a yellow-gold, slight haze, but yeah, a little clearer than the last one. Really good head retention, too. Leaving some lace on the glass oh, yeah. after I take a sip. Definitely that like acidity, dryness... Yeah, super. It's a lot more tart than the last than the last guy. It's definitely a fruited sour of some sort. I'm almost like with the way the flavors change, like a mixed berry kind of a vibe. Yeah, I could see like strawberry, blueberry, maybe some raspberry in there. It could be just a yeah. It's got like the tart finish of a raspberry. Mm-hmm. But very interesting. I wonder is this beer in date? Yeah. That cheesy flavor is what's really throwing me hmm. off. Is it, it like is. a cheesecake? No. No? Cheesecake sour? No. Is it lacto boy? Mixed berry lactose sour. Yeah. Really? That's your guess? Really? I'm only getting some faint notes of funk now, whereas the initial... The initial presence was very funky, very (laughs) cheesy. It's like, I don't know, yeah. And maybe that's just throwing us off if we're way off the way that Lauren said, really? But last time I tried to play the game, I lost based off Lauren's reactions. But this is definitely kind of strawberry-y. Let's think, is is there maybe a niche style that we're not thinking of that's got characteristics of like a sour ale but like fruited but not a fruited sour <laughs> you know like some of those like belgian styles maybe yeah. but it doesn't have any yeast character there's really not much it's mainly just sweetness tart acidity and it t- smells like a strawberry finishes like a raspberry is it supposed to be like a like a berry pie do we say lactose yeah, but I'll I don't tell you, know one if of you has had this beer. Tosi. Hmm. Was it Joe? It was not. It was Ooh. me. Ooh. 
Are we way off? I'm going to try again. I mean, one thing you said has been correct. One thing we've said? Strawberries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Strawberry part is correct. Strawberry, I don't know. Strawberry was a good one because it does. Like, as soon as you said that, I was like, hmm, that's that strawberry yeah. kind of a vibe. There really was a, an evolution of smell and flavor. I got more I got more of like that blueberry because blueberry is kind of a I don't say like tart berry but it's yeah it's just got like a really deep sort of tart flavor whereas strawberry to me is a little lighter a little sweeter and then strawberry came in late that funkiness has really subsided a lot so maybe that's still there like when I stir it up though Mm. it's like cream cheese are you ready it reminds me of like a bagel with strawberry cream cheese well i'm gonna put my finger on fruited sour strawberry we pointed out beyond that i'm kind of stumped okay so this is sycamore strawberry strawberry lemonade goza interesting yep when was it canned i mean it's a a recent one i'm not getting a lot of lemon I mean, maybe that's just the acidity that we're tasting. Yeah. Or maybe it's just a byproduct of the funk that we've got. So, it says, tart and refreshing. We brewed this whimsical sour wheat beer with ripe strawberries, lemon zest, and a hint of pink Himalayan sea salt. Salt? Mm. I would have not picked up the salt. Salt and lemon could really contribute to this tartness. Uh, I will say, even now, I'm getting more strawberry... Strawberry aroma is really coming through now. So yeah. it's kind of not been a consistent tasting experience. And that's not a, a knock on Sycamore at all. It just it's got just, a lot of layers of flavor. Because yeah, right now it just smells to me like strawberry. Like, yeah. Almost like, like strawberry pie or something cooked. It could be like a, or like a strawberry jam or something like that. That's what I'm kind of getting more is like a strawberry jam. Kind of reminds me of Yeah, a exactly. That's why I said tart. like a strawberry with... Like a like a tart that you eat. Does it say if they used any non traditional yeast? Is it a wild ale or is it just the sour? It's a goza. Whoa! What are you doing over there? Well, I was like, what's behind this can? There's nutritional facts. I'm guessing it's not super nutritionist. Nutritional. Well, <laughs> nutritionist. We're making Wait, up nutrition facts the on the back. Well, I'm so confused. We're making up a lot of words today in the podcast. Yeah. Goodness, that's very loud, just so that you know, for all the listeners. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is not even this can. I'm wondering if they labeled the wrong beer. What are you talking about? The Wild Blossom Project by Sycamore. I don't think they put the wrong label on. They probably just used cans they already had. But that, uh, also, you're ruining all the audio for this <laughs> segment right here. With that. <laughs> we'll pause it real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Now I've started. I can't. Don't worry, Joe will cut that out in post. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to edit out each individual thing in between our talking. All right, now that you finally got your label ripped off there, She Hulk, what you got? <laughs> um, well, the can is Wild Blossom Cider by Sycamore, the Brute. The Wild Blossom Project. Never heard of it. I wonder if we're getting, you know, I wonder if that cheesy, yogurty flavor is from lactobacillus 
in the souring process. Oh, you just nailed it. I think strawberry yogurt. Yeah, because that's where that like those that would make sense with that live culture. The thing is, I'm not getting a ton of this lemonade. Are you? No, I don't think I taste any lemon. Just sweet strawberry, like ripe, overripe strawberry, and. <laughs> oh gosh, it smells just like strawberry on the nose. Yeah, that's yeah. Like that's, on the contrary, I had a beer my sister Brand picked out from Lake Time Brewery in Shout Clear Lake, Iowa. Yeah, thanks, Brand. There was a sour called Blackberry Lemonade that legitimately tasted to me like I was drinking lemonade. Really? And I was, I feel like I, I was kind of low on my untapped rating. I gave it a 3.75, mainly because it was just like, oh, this is just like lemonade. But the more I thought about it, if you have a beer that resembles lemonade almost exactly and still has 4.6% ABV, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. actually dangerous. Yeah, you're like, oh, this is just yeah. lemonade. It was a blackberry lemonade. I didn't really get a ton of blackberry. Maybe that's why I docked it a ton. But, um, you know, I think sometimes when you have lemonade advertised, well, for instance, Local Oak, they've done the Vaporwave lemonade. That was spot on yeah, lemonade. Yeah. I mean, like a pink lemonade. This to me has no real vibe of lemonade, just pure strawberry with like, yeah, some. some yeah, funky culture. Lactose, maybe. Also, I want to say that on the Sycamore website, like the page for this is like a girl squeezing strawberries into the can. And it looks like she's got a fistful of blood, like she's crushing a human heart in her hands. That's Is that accurate? Gross. Yeah, Frightening. Kind of disgusting. Isn't that, look at that. Yeah, it does. It's like, let's squeeze the blood of our enemies into our beer. That's Stone. That's Stone Brewing. These are the guys that went against Stone. They lost against Stone. For the Keep It Juicy. This one's tagline is, keep it squeezy. All right, well. I Take it squeezy. We, yeah, with that, what did you guys learn today? Well, a cool ship has nothing to do with a ship. <laughs> Nothing to do with boats and hose. No, yeah. but it kind of resembles. I think that was part of the. It kind of looks like a boat. Was that yeah. it resembles a boat because boats are shallow and yeah. It's also a word wide. from like I don't know what language it originates in, but it's originally spelled like K O E L ship, but then cool. translated into ship. cool ship. Cool, 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 cool. What did you learn, Nick? Cool, cool. cool. You know, really, you pointed out a lot and described in pretty good detail about what makes a wild ale a wild ale is just the omission of the traditional Saccharomyces yeast. And to me, I would have thought you could still implement some of that and, you know, maybe have like, I guess that's, it was a big distinction between the mixed fermentation and the wild ale. That was something that I think I kind of just, I line those in my head. So that small distinction makes a huge difference in how we define the styles. So that was, yeah, it was interesting as I was researching that to be like, Oh yeah, it it puts a little more stock in the word wild, you know, and some, there's a lot of confusion with the nomenclature of, you know, the sour ale or wild ale or what should we call it? But it just depends, you know, what was your intention? Was your intention, to put that yeast in to give it more flavor or was your intention just to make it sour? I think that's uh, what makes a brewer choose to say it's a sour or a wild ale. 
or they could just go rogue and go a little wild and not have a plan, not have a recipe, and that's <laughs> really gone wild. <laughs> that's really <laughs> what another is this, definition. Three a.m. and I rolled over and the TV's still on. Back in nineteen ninety-seven. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> County Central or Spike TV, whatever you get channels. That reference, Lauren. You were alive during that time period. I was alive, but I have no idea what you were referring to. Oh, it's like every every young lad of our age remembers if you left the TV on too late, the cable ads, it would run like a long infomercial for Girls Gone Wild. Oh, my heavens, really? Yeah. Oh my heavens. I, didn't, I, mean, I didn't have a TV out. in my oh I, my I didn't have a TV heavens. growing up. Well, not even a TV. I mean, like, in not even a TV. Yes, a TV. But like, <laughs> <laughs> not in my room, but just like, you know, it was the time when I was, I guess it wasn't. It had to be early 2000s then because I was like preteen. Huh. We also didn't have cable. Oh. With satellite. That's is that explained the way you just said, Oh my right. heavens. <laughs> oh, oh great heavens. Oh. Great gosh. Uh I learned that, you know, I thought of a really great book title about sours and wild ales. Uh it could be called Where the Wild Ales Are. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> wow, Lauren thought that was a lot funnier than I anticipated. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Where the wild fern grows. You should actually write Where that. Where the wild fern grows. <laughs> uh, That's a book. Where the red fern grows. Yeah. Oh. I thought your, I thought I your was, title but was the wild, No, I was just repeating it. I wasn't like questioning it. Yeah. Where the wild microflora inoculates. <laughs> oh, God. Who's reading these books? Who's, yeah, who's reading this? Oh, man. Well. That wraps us up for episode number 37 of Secondary Fermentation, presented by East Carolina Beer and Brewing. We hope you enjoyed it, and uh, if you have any wild ales you want to send us, hit us up on <laughs> Gmail, eastcarolinabeer at gmail.com, or Dot check us out on our socials, East Carolina Beer on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at East Beer. We're on Facebook of East Carolina Beer and Brewing. And, you know, always... Uh, feel free to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and maybe write a little nice review these guys are totally rad they look like they sail on a cool ship i can see it now yeah and just like the episode implies we're a little wild sometimes just a little wild and crazy if you can't tell by our deadpan tone we're so wild <laughs> we are the wildest people ever i'm so wild i'll be in bed by 9 30 <laughs> I would have already been in bed if it was much better. <laughs> well, on that note, that concludes episode number 37. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.